Welcome to the seventh episode of Falling with Style. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And this is an ongoing Pixar movie marathon podcast. Each episode is dedicated to exactly one movie in the Pixar Animation Studios canon. Today we're talking about Cars, Pixar's seventh film, and its first to feature an entire vehicular cast, and its final film completed before Disney's acquisition of the studio. Cars was developed by a few folks, written by a lot of folks, and directed by John Lasseter, and it was released widely on June 9th, 2006, about a year and a half after The Incredibles. Prior to this conversation, Doug's seen it a few times, and Derek, I know the answer to this, but how many times have you seen this movie before today? Once today. Never seen it before today. About Beautiful. three hours ago. <laughs> I'm so excited for this episode for that reason. Uh, but first, before we get into it, we are joined not by one, but two incredible guests to talk about cars. Uh, welcome, Amanda and Dallin from Lost in the Vault. How are you two? Hello. Hey. What's going on, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. We've had Derek on our show uh, twice now, has it been? Um, Depending on how you count the Muppets one. <laughs> <laughs> Two and a half. The Muppets one hasn't been officially re- released yet because burnout-induced hiatus. But Relatable. Any Lost in the Vault fans listening, we will be getting back to th- that soon. We promise. We swear. <laughs> But yeah, um, so when we found out that Derek was doing this, I was like, hey, can we be on this show? We could discuss cars. And then immediately after I regret that decision because I realized (laughs) it meant I'd have to watch cars. So yeah, I'm actually curious about that because, you know, we put out sort of some feelers and Derek got back to me and said like, oh yeah, they they requested cars. And I was like, oh, (laughs) okay. Like, so tell me more about how that happened. (laughs) Why cars? Well, usually when like requisitioning guests or like or like guesting on other people's shows, I'm usually the one doing the negotiations. Right. And Amanda can uh, verify that, right, Amanda? Yeah. So um, my logic was, and of course I consult with Amanda on this and see if, if she's game for it. But my logic was, okay, we need um, a Pixar movie that fits with um, the kind of stuff that we usually do on Lost in the Vault, which for those not in the know, Lost in the Vault is a podcast we run where we discuss Disney films that, quote, don't quite have the magic. So, uh, like, critical and commercial flops, uh, cult classics, uh, forgettable crap, uh, uh, some stuff in that variety. Just anything that isn't a classic, per se. And this somehow falls into that picture, because we talk a lot about, like, a a lot of weird shit, (laughs) so... Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I don't. I didn't remember how exactly the ne- negotiations happened or, or whatever, but I just remember being like, okay, I'm going to put talking about cars on a podcast in my Google Calendar now and pretend that's like a, like a, <laughs> you know, a normal thing to do. Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think my logic behind it is that I wanted a film that, like, fits mm-hmm. what we usually do on Lost in the Vault, but one that, like, 
but not one that we would do on Lost in the Vault. So sure. we didn't want to do like Cars 2 or The Good Dinosaur because we want to save that for our show. Sure. Yeah, I know that makes sense. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm glad that that was part of your logic because I've said on this, this show before something that many people do not agree with, which is that I don't think Pixar's ever made a bad film. Uh, mm. Many people, every time I say that, probably cringe. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that there is like a variety of perspective coming into this this episode. <laughs> I certainly disagree with that one. Oh, I know. I know many people do. So I guess like, do you have a particular, do either of you or both of you have a particular background with cars or was it purely yes. just, this feels like the the movie for us? I had a younger brother who was obsessed with cars. And um, so we obviously uh, watched a lot of cars. Um, we were both children that like, if we liked something, we would put it on repeat. So I've seen cars oh, yeah. upwards of, however many times um but i haven't seen it since i was like before age 10 um Mm -hmm. so this was like uh, jarring (laughs) you know like (laughs) i've seen it so many times but there's also been such a big gap in it and you know it's something like cars is uh (laughs) is something to think about you know (laughs) it's a strange little movie oh yeah I saw uh, Cars first in its original theatrical run uh, with my dad, um, who took me, and I believe my little brother, my little brother, um, to see it together. And from what I recall, I want to say it was at the United Artists in Turnersville. Um, Amanda will know which theater I'm talking about. Yeah, classic. Yeah, it that's closed now because. Uh, COVID yeah. put Unite Artists' parent company in the bankruptcy, and now we don't know when it'll reopen. Mm. So yeah, I watched that with him, and I, I saw, a, you, a lot of the time, like, when I was, a, like, a little kid, like, um, my dad would be, like, the go-to guy who would take me to the movies. Like, uh, he took me to see, uh, the Simpsons movie, when I was way too young to see that, in a glorious act of irresponsible parenting. <laughs> <laughs> He took me and my little brother to see the Avengers, and we got there like 40 minutes early, so he gave us the money to play uh, Time Crisis 4 in the lobby, Nice. which that was a great time. <laughs> uh, actually, the last movie I saw in a theater with him before he sadly passed away in December 2014 was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Ah, one of my faves. Oh, that's a good, good one. Yeah. I even remember what his go-to movie theater snack was, a box of snow caps. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I think that's really it's really interesting to one of the things that I'm curious about is like even if I saw this movie like right when it came out I still would have been like I I don't I think I would have been too old to like have any nostalgia for it like I was in high school mm. when it came out so I'm mm-hmm. curious of like you know given its its sort of reputation as like you know one the, the <laughs> Pixar franchise that a lot of people don't really like for one reason or or at least is like a divisive like the divisive yeah. Pixar franchise um like I'm curious of like what nostalgia there is for for people who were kids when it came out and actually would have seen it as children because i i felt like watching it that like it's a movie that i understand worked would work great for kids like i i i get why it made a lot of money and got a lot of sequels and got a lot of great merchandising because it does seem like a movie that's great for kids and just doesn't really for me just didn't really hold my attention as an adult in the way that any other Pixar movie that I've seen does but yeah. I, I get it I get it for kids I'm just curious what like the nostalgia might be for it 
I can say that even though I just gave that, like, whole sentimental backstory of, like, seeing Cars as my dad, I have no nostalgic attachment <laughs> to Cars or the Cars franchise. <laughs> For me, um, Cars is a movie that is a movie that I saw as a kid with my dad in theaters and then watched a couple times on DVD. Then I skipped the sequel because it looked like crap. And then I saw the third one, semi-ironically, with a buddy of mine to make up for dragging him to the Emoji movie, ironically. Mm. And we and I actually end up really enjoying Cars 3. Cars 3 is actually a legit good movie. <laughs> I'm excited to see it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about either of the sequels, so... Yeah, I think the Cars movies... Well, I I, I think what you brought up, Derek, as far as, like, the audience for the movie, I do think is important. I think the the trilogy as a whole has a really roller coastery type uh, (laughs) journey in that this movie, I do think, is a a good movie. I I don't think it's Pixar's finest, but I think it's a good movie. It was well-received, generally, Um and then the second movie is is still considered one of the worst <laughs> Pixar movies, if not the worst Pixar movie. Yeah. And then, Dallin, you're right. The third one is largely considered, again, a good movie and sort of a return to form, if not uh, <laughs> better than uh, by most. <laughs> I think the original. Yeah, yeah. By most, by most voices, I think would would agree with you on that. So it's such a strange thing, but I think the fact that it is more marketable to kids, I think, is the lens that is important for people to remember. Like, I don't think Cars is any adult's favorite movie if, if, <laughs> if they don't have a connection to either cars, automobiles, racing, stock car racing specifically, or something like that, or nostalgia for the setting or something like that. I, I just, uh, I think that's that's sort of the difference between this one and other Pixar properties is that most of them cast such a wide net um, and this one really leaned in hard after this first movie to say, you know what? Let's just make a movie purely for kids and merchandise <laughs> this purely towards kids. And that's a real, yeah. <laughs> real curveball for Pixar. I think it's interesting the time uh, around when it came out because um, I think they wanted to do a movie about cars of some sort for like a little bit, but then like Long NASCAR, time. yeah, and then NASCAR became very popular, and they were like, ding, ding, ding. Um, yeah, it makes so. sense. Well, and this this movie is like so. Toy Story and Cars are like the John Lasseter movies, mm-hmm. right? And they're they're both just and Bugs Life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But like, as far as like what his sort of like pet projects were, both of these things were like born out of his own personal like lifelong hobbies of mm. collecting toys and being sort of a. Uh, like a car enthusiast, right? Yeah. Um, There's also the backstory in that, like, the idea of, like, the themes of car being, like, you know, slow down, take it easy, enjoy that Route 66 life was inspired by, and they describe in, like, the Pixar story and pretty much any behind-the-scenes feature on this movie, um, that it was based on a road trip that John Lasseter um, took with his family mm-hmm. after the back-to-back productions of A Bug's Life and the really hectic disaster that was Toy Story 2. So, I mean, yeah, the real-world story behind it totally makes sense. Like, that, yeah, I, I, I yeah, makes sense, yeah. timing-wise. <laughs> <laughs> but I think as far as, I think uh, generally, uh, as far as, like, a movie goes and a Pixar movie goes, like, I think it's it's good, but it's weird because... 
it it feels both in time and completely out of time with where Pixar is in the moment. Like Amanda, you mentioned like subject matter; it mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. But we've mm-hmm. been going chronologically to try to like track the storytelling and the technological mm-hmm. advances and stuff like that. And I think this entry, and we can kind of go wherever from here, but mm-hmm. I think this entry technologically is right where Pixar should be in that progression. Right. Because technologically and animation-wise, this movie oh, yeah. is a massive leap even from the last one, which oh, was a yeah. massive leap from the one before it. But storytelling-wise, this feels a few steps backward. It feels like yeah. it would have been a better story told in the first three movies, you know? Because I right. think the storytelling has gone beyond where Cars is uh, by 2006. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, really, what really struck me, I think, is that was I was watching it, I'm like, I, I get what they're doing, right? Because it's a it's a story that, that could easily be told with with humans. It's been told before. You've seen it like Doc Hollywood. Like, I, Tu Wong Fu has <laughs> yep. a really yeah. similar story, too. Like, it's a really common trope thing. And then it's just like, the shtick is that, like, we're telling a regular human story. But with cars instead. And it's like, okay, I get yeah. that as a starting point. But I think what makes it weird is that, like, I don't feel like it goes far enough beyond that to make it feel like making them cars and making a world full, full of cars is a necessity for the story or that it's inventive mm-hmm. enough in ways that impact the story in the same way that like Finding Nemo taking place in the ocean needed to take place in the ocean or like A Bug's Life being about bugs needed to be about bugs. Like I, I feel like it right. ends up, at least in this movie, like it doesn't feel like justified it, or thought out, thought through fully in the way that other Pixar movies had been up to this point. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I really like a lot of uh, like even as cliche as some of it is and stuff like that. Um, I think I do like some of the like themes that they're trying to go for in some cases, um, but that ultimately fail because I think like a movie about talking cars has to be really charming in order to work because it's such a strange um, it is a strange thing and it's not really justified in its own universe. But it's too, it's somehow, like, too pretentious about it, if that makes any sense. Um, and I, it, it's just, it's just strange. Um, it's, it's a very strange choice there. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I was watching this movie, I feel like that this isn't, like, the story they're telling isn't weird enough mm. to justify like it being talking cars. Like if you're gonna make an animated film of talking cars, um, you need to do something in the vein of like Easy Rider or Toon Lane Blacktop, where you're just like going from place to place, dealing with like these, you know, more oddball characters on the fringes of society, if that makes sense. But obviously that would be a much different, much less marketable movie. <laughs> Yeah, no, I feel that. And I see what you're saying. I think like um, we we always talk about like what is the challenge that Pixar was trying to overcome here? Mm. And sometimes it's like a natural thing, right? And this movie even has some of that too. Like what were some of the natural challenges? Like sprawling landscapes, like degradation, you know? But Mm -hmm. they ended up creating their own challenge in saying, let's make cars emote. You know what I mean? Like they didn't (laughs) didn't have to do that, but they did. But it's somehow also like the most John Lasseter thing ever. And there's even a quote from one of the supervising animators where he says, I think Cars is the most John movie that Pixar's ever made, taking a ubiquitous object that people don't even think about, and you give it an entire epic story and a population that's totally personified here. And like I agree, (laughs) (laughs) like you definitely did that. But I think one of the things that adults especially struggle with with Cars is like Cars is almost like the epitome of what the Pixar reputation 
yeah. could have been um, had they not gotten sort of beyond this storytelling where it's like, what's mm-hmm. Pixar going to do next? A movie about talking shoes. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. what this movie feels like, is like the most early reputation Pixar thing you can think of. Uh, one of the things I think, like, that struck me about it for me, and it, maybe it was just, I don't know, I, 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 I would have felt a lot better about all of it, like, even even the very straightforward story just told with cars or whatever, or and even the world not being, like, super thought out. Like, it's, a, it's talking cars, like, whatever, it's fine, it's stupid fantasy. But I think that, like, what struck me about it was that I don't feel like a lot of the jokes were really that inventive or good considering it's a world full of cars. Like I don't, I, there really wasn't that much that felt like really clever in the way that a lot of the other Pixar movies really felt clever with the world that they were doing. Some were, some were, but the sight gags were everything. I was like living (laughs) for all the sight gags and all the like environmental humor. (laughs) No, I, I, I gotta agree with Derek on this one. There was a lot of like jokes that either, a lot of the big big jokes are so obvious and like barely do anything um with their basic premise rather than just like going for like very low brow bottom of the barrel type humor like uh ha ha the woman's restroom line is way longer than the men's restroom line isn't that hilarious except isn't their that cars just, like that's the only yeah, yeah i noticed that yeah. one too i was just like well what's the What's the joke here that like involves them being that's just like a really it's just the most basic observation and it didn't really do with anything with them actually being cars. And like I do agree with you, Doug. There are like good sign gags and stuff in it. Um, but like I feel like it still felt off balance compared to a lot of other Pixar movies, like humor wise. Like there was very little about this movie that I feel like I laughed at. And I was willing to laugh at whatever like stupid <laughs> stuff they threw at me. It was just like none of it just I, I guess even going into it like in a good mood with an open mind and like being and with the foreknowledge that a lot of people don't really love the cars movies very much i was still like mm-hmm. oh totally willing to laugh at whatever and it's just like there really wasn't wasn't much and i don't know i don't really i, I just didn't feel clever most of the time it's just like it's fine it's fine it's whatever <laughs> i wonder how much of that is the the split between the written jokes versus the artists jokes because sure. all the stuff that's the environmental stuff and the sign stuff, that's like a that's like a whole separate team of people who are literally making like thousands of like logos and signs and stuff like that. They're not the people who are like storyboarding or like like writing scripts and stuff. So I, I almost wonder like, that's <laughs> like possible, yeah. were the screenwriters just not that funny? Because <laughs> there's one like there were like subtle things that I did laugh at. Like there was a sticker on on um on one of the green car what is his name chick um the his, his one his, one of his sponsors was hostile takeover bank which is just <laughs> like it's not even a car pun it's just a funny yeah. like capitalism that's joke that's good you know? yeah i actually what a, a nice touch that I do like, speaking of Chick Hicks' character, what I like is how just how plastered with sponsorship stickers yeah. he has all over him. That's like a nice both a joke and, an, and a character detail. Yeah, yeah, I was floored that you had a specific example from that particular car because like was, <laughs> there's probably like 200 stickers on that car. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> so many. That stick out to me. It's good. <laughs> well, the hostile takeover one is like his main sponsor. That's like the biggest <laughs> sticker. Honestly, with the jokes in this movie, there were like two two reactions i had to it it was either a i didn't laugh 
or B, I chuckled a bit and then immediately felt disgusted at myself for chuckling at it. <laughs> I think the only joke that I ac- actually, like, genuinely got a laugh I didn't regret was, um, um, you don't need headlights when the track is always lit. So is my brother, but he still needs headlights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a yeah. few nice moments and there's a few there's a, a, a like a lot of jokes in there that gets me like rolling my eyes, um, but I think the ones that are um, based around like the characters in Radiator Springs, other than like say like the main ones like Mater and and whatever, um, but like they might not have gotten me to laugh, but like a lot of times they did get me to smile, which I mm-hmm. thought was important because that's. <clears throat> They might not be like laugh out loud funny, but they're charming. So, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think the radio, like especially the Radiator Springs characters, are really charming. It kind of reminds me a little bit mm-hmm. of like with with Bugs Life, where you know, even if a lot of characters didn't get a lot of attention, and some of them were pretty mm-hmm. like just two dimensional, just because of the role that they played, like they were still very charming and like characters that I think that I liked, even if I didn't really get to see a lot of them or didn't really get to know them. Like there was, mm-hmm. a, yeah, there was they 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 did a good job of sort of fleshing out the their cast and everything. Yeah. yeah. See, it's interesting that you mentioned a Bug's Life because compared to a Bug's Life, the characters in this movie are, like, real, really flat and barely get anything to do. While the circus bugs in A Bug's Life, which, well, yeah, they're not, like, the deepest of characters, but they do have, like, their own quirks and nuances and seem to be, like, a cast to, that, like, works best with their characters and, like, gets the most out of them. Like, uh, you got George Carlin as a hippie van who acts like a hippie. Is he gonna do anything particularly funny? No, he's just gonna make... Like, you know, talk about organic fuel. Ha ha ha. Or you got Cheech Marin. Is he is he going to do something fun? No, 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 he's not. Oh, I don't have a problem with any of that. I thought all of that was fine. I mean, I, I didn't, they, they, even yeah. if it wasn't laugh out loud funny, like I, I, they were, they were nice little characters and that I, and I think yeah. like the, the choices in, in vehicle worked for all of them too. Yeah, I think that was a like a good touch and everything. Like you know, um, and I liked the the way that they those characters like even if they're not like totally flushed out, like when they talk to each other and stuff, it feels like they're having a conversation and like it feels yeah. like you're entering like a warm, bubbly chat of like people that know each other and love each other and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. is exactly what they are. Um, and it doesn't happen a lot, but it it happens enough for me i think so like even if like their main jokes are like okay yeah whatever but it's like okay i i like seeing them next to each other you know like i do like seeing them next to each other honestly the only character in this that feels like a three-dimensional character to me is paul newman's character doc hudson Hmm. and like um, Lightning McQueen and Sally barely scrape by just by, like, the sheer likability of Owen Wilson and Bonnie Hunt. Yeah, I think, um, I, I think one thing, especially with the, the sort of, like, main cast, secondary cast thing, even with A Bug's Life, um, or even Toy Story, and then this movie, I think a lot of these early Pixar movies have such massive casts. Yeah. Which is a benefit and a detriment at the same time. And then you sort of have to sort through like, okay, which characters are they actually spending like a full amount of attention on to get that three-dimensional element? Um, Mm -hmm. And then where does everybody else fall? Because I would sort of put the Radiator Springs population and the Circus Bugs kind of um, one-to-one much of the time. And I actually think the Radiator Springs characters – 
maybe not individually, but like as a collective are more integral to the story Cars is trying to tell than the circus bugs are to the story a bug's life is trying to tell, even if they have a bigger plot point, if that makes any sort of sense. Yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying, but what I feel like is that like you, you definitely, uh, get to see how the circus bugs like develop as characters and like grow more confident in their own skin and you know regain a sense of self-esteem thanks to the events of the film and i just don't see that with this movie i just see like they start out one way and then like before you realize that they're this way Oh, that's so interesting because I would probably reverse it um, and say that like it's almost it's I think it's actually a little like heavy handed in this movie. um, The sort of like transformation of Radiator Springs from the beginning to the end, Um, Mm -hmm. although a lot of it's artistic. So I'm still into it, like as far as like color schemes and stuff that they sort of transform over the course of that second act. Yeah, but that's not the people in there. That's the town. No, I know. I know. I say that to say um, that it's it's sort of heavy handed in what it's trying to communicate. Um, even their demeanor when lightning shows up versus their demeanor when he ends and like what gets them there. Um, like we spend so much more time with them than we do with the circus bugs that I feel like, uh, whether they succeeded or not, I think they meant to make these characters, uh, more integral to the overall theme of what, what we were supposed to walk away with. I think it's inter, yeah. Um, I think it's interesting because, like, I think some of my favorite parts of the movie are with them and stuff like that. And, like, you know, they are this town. And I think as heavy-handed as a lot of it is, I think my favorite parts of this movie are, like, you know, seeing this town light up. And, like, it is, like, yeah cheesy. And it is, like, whatever. <laughs> but I, I'm just like, okay, yeah, no, I'm happy right now. I feel the joy, yeah. <laughs> you know? it's it's Oh, yeah. I'm the same. It's satisfying. Yeah. It's really satisfying when you see it turn around, because it is a really charming little town yeah. that I would love it's to so visit cute. by the end of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> you can visit it at Disney's California Adventure. Yeah, you can. You can. <laughs> Amanda, I'm the same way, though. Like, I was still mm-hmm. charmed in those moments where I was supposed to be charmed, but I, I have frequently said I am like very easily manipulated by these types <laughs> of movies, like, and I, yeah. I, I like know it while it's happening. Yeah, but I, 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 I felt that too. Um, yeah, at least when I was supposed to, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I was following yeah. my script too. <laughs> I think it's interesting because, um, you know, with this like town and everything, it can kind of be like a, you know, whatever town off of Route sixty six. It's uh, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that, like, I do love all this, like, landscape work and, like, all the beautiful, oh like, you know, it's gorgeous it's so and stuff. Um, and, like, you know, this being at the center of it. And I think um, it's interesting because the, um, you know, it was inspired by Lasseter's um, uh, road trip. But then he mm-hmm. went back with um, uh, Michael Wallace, who played the sheriff. And who is actually a Route 66 historian. And, like, they went (laughs) around. Yeah. And so, like, they, and, like, he's written, like, books on that and stuff. And so, like, they went and they were just, like, you know, having their, like, road trip fantasies. And you can feel that in the the movie, you know, in, like, its (laughs) setting. So I think that's really interesting. And I, I do feel that, like, there is, like, a genuine love there, which I think pulls me through a little bit more with some of it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it doesn't, it's not as apparent in movie. That's more, it might be more of like an outside thing, but like, you know. 
Yeah, I think if if I'm like balancing like the where I'm impressed between the technical accomplishments and the the sort of production stuff versus the story, like yeah. it's definitely the production stuff. Like the amount of research mm, yeah. that goes into this movie is ridiculous. And Pixar mm-hmm. claims it was like the most research they'd ever done to that point, like by yeah. far. Wow. It's um, a really pretty movie too. Like yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't like the designs of the cars themselves. To be honest, I find it really unsettling. Mm. But I'm fully <laughs> yeah, willing to yeah. admit that that's a me thing. I don't yeah. like. I don't like them. I don't like lightning. <laughs> no, I hate it. Fucking tongue. Hate, hate it. Disgusting. Hate it so Never want to see it ever again. No. But I think it speaks a lot to the to the who how good they do all of the set design of the movie and the right. backgrounds and everything. That even in spite of that, I think it's probably one of. Up to this point, this is one of the most beautiful movies that Pixar has made yeah. outside of maybe like Finding Nemo. Like and everything yeah. is gorgeous. I was going to say, I think previously we praised Finding Nemo's visuals the most. And I, mm-hmm. I still would. And I would never take anything away from it because I think they hold up the best of, you know, the movies we watched to this point. But I do think Cars might be the first movie that sort of achieves like photorealism through CGI. Yeah. Like yeah. there are certain yeah. moments where you're like. You could trick somebody with this if if you yeah. kind of just showed them a slice, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's so funny because then I look at the cars and I feel like I have a hangover. Like, I feel hollow and I feel <laughs> sick. I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> like, literally, it was jarring turning this movie on, like, after not watching it for so long. Because, like, I, you know, as a kid, I was so used to it and, like, so accepting of it. And then turning it on again, I was like, <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> Terrible. Is it just me, or for the designs of those cars, do they seem like they're not emoting enough sometimes? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you're watching the film and you see what emotion they're supposed to be going for, and yet they're not quite fi- pulling it off? I think that's what makes it unsettling to me, is that sometimes they don't enough, and then sometimes they do too much. Yeah. And I don't know if it always strikes a great balance Maybe just because the designs are so weird, you know? <laughs> I I wonder if the designs would have worked better in, like, traditional animation than they oh. would have in CGI. Because, like, I'm the, so a, a big influence... <laughs> because, like, a big influence on this short was, like, um the Disney short Susie the Little Blue Coo. Yep. And that mm. works a lot better, even if that short is, like, weirdly slut-shamey for <laughs> a, a film about a, to- a, co- a living oh, car. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was going to bring up the same thing, Dallin. Like, a, a massive inspiration for the choice to place the eyes on the windshield, among other things, was this Disney short that John Lasseter uh, admired the animation of. And that that movie has all the eyes in the windshields. Um, and uh, I was going to try to share it with, with you in the chat, but it is not working the way I wanted to. But um, if you if you go watch it, it's like, you know, not very long. Uh, like you said, Dallin, Susie the Little Blue Coop, it's on YouTube. You can see it. It's like very, very obvious, like where the inspiration is. Um, and I definitely get the choice, but it's it's never... I don't think Pixar. I I don't mind it, but I don't think I don't think Pixar's ever convinced a critical mass of people that it was the right choice. I do think yeah. this movie wouldn't work if you had put the the eyes on the headlights. Like I think they made the more appropriate choice for what they were trying to do. But then I think your question is just should you have done it at all? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I I did see some like early animation for the film where, like, the car's movements were, like, a lot more rubbery. Yeah. In that they would, like, their, like, shapes would, like, bounce and shift more. Maybe that would have worked better. Mm. These I, I love these questions because, like, they, they, they talk so much about, like, trying to get the car's 
right from the perspective of being cars and feeling the uh, weight of cars while also trying to nail emoting. Like it's I, it's yeah. such a fascinating question, Dallin, because Pixar made so many choices based on the fact that they don't have arms or traditional bodies or legs or things like that. And they're like, how do you make a hunk of steel feel like mm-hmm. it is a full emoting human? Yeah. And the one real adva- the only real advantage we had is that most of it is a face. So we just have to do really well with faces, I guess. Yeah. Right. At, le- at least it doesn't look like JJ the jet plane or whatever, you know, where like it's a human, like a fully human face on a little vehicle oh or whatever. Like, you know, yeah. stick. Yeah. <laughs> I think Thomas the Tank Engine was only able to get away with that because, well, the front of a train already looks like it would best fit a face anyway. Yeah. But also that, A, uh, the faces on the to- the trains in Thomas are more abstract than photorealistic like J.J. Mm-hmm. And also that that show is made using like um models that were yeah. actually like built and exist yeah. in real life. So there's less of like an uncanny valley effect. Yeah. Totally. I'm, totally. I, I, I do like the way the uh, the cars in this kind of like, un- not unnecessarily, but like move around a lot as if they're gesturing. Um, I think that helps a lot too. It's not like perfect, but the way that they, they do that like does help um, because I couldn't imagine them sitting still. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And it's interesting to see how they applied it to a vehicle because mm-hmm. we had sort of clocked them beginning to do that especially in monsters inc where you had like background Mm -hmm. characters who were just sort of or not even just background characters characters that were in the foreground just like moving in ways they didn't need to that Mm -hmm. when you notice it you're like oh wow that was like extra work that goes into it and then you realize like no actually it's beneficial like you gotta yeah you can't have them just sit there like a hunk of junk you know right yeah but that's got to be so much harder with a literal pile of steel (laughs) yeah because you have to get a little bit rubbery with it you know yeah and I think I think yeah. they balance that well. It's weird, too, because they have to sort of be inconsistent on purpose because yeah. there's a major moment in the movie where a car crashes like horrifically. <laughs> it can't be rubbery and bounce there like it has to right. be. It has to break, you know. Yeah. Um. So the the sort of choices they had to make with where they were going to be consistent about that is fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. Lightning McQueen is so rubbery. It's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of all the characters, he's the most rubbery, which like I guess you know, he's on screen the most, so it makes sense. But yeah. 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 We mentioned the landscapes yeah. for this, and that canyon stuff is really cool. But like a lot of the. Uh, but that and, like, a lot of the additional, like, details of the film just, like, raise more questions than they answer. Like, you see the, uh, um, the canyons, they're shaped like um, the fronts of cars. And you're like, oh, cool. Wait, hold on. Are those naturally occurring? Or <laughs> are they just like, or they like man-made? Were yeah. that, you know, do we have like another Ru- Mount Rushmore being made out of the Black Hill situation on our hands? Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I don't know if they've ever fully tried to answer that. And I don't know if they want to, mm-hmm. because when they talk about it, the guy who's sort of like credited with that idea talks about how we as humans see ourselves in nature. So it only made mm. sense to make nature reflect the the inhabitants of the world. But that mm. doesn't answer whether or not they formed nature around them to be like that, or if it is just that we are supposed to be seeing the world through the inhabitants. And therefore, yeah. instead of seeing human faces on the sides of cliffs, we're seeing car faces on the sides of cliffs. I don't know. I don't know if there's an answer to that, Talon. <laughs> But 
it's not, but it's like more, it, like these are like meticulously sculpted uh, canyons. Like they, they, they just can't, I don't know. And then you see like tire tracks in the clouds and, and then the birds from For the Birds show up, even though every animal in nature is supposed to be a car, you know, like the bugs or little Volkswagen beetles. What the fuck's going on here? I think I, I think my favorite and it's not it's it's in the second one and it's been talked about before, but like the, the car pope or whatever and like car royalty, <laughs> like the fact that there's like religion the, the, the and stuff. The mobile has yeah. its own pope mobile. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, there was a car Jesus who was car crucified. Yeah. And it's just like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this is this is this is a world you should not think about. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah. Is a horror, yeah. it is a horror Here, world. <laughs> yeah. Here's my question. When a car dies in cars, what happens? Do they like give it a traditional burial or do they like strip it for parts? Or do you have to be like an organ donor for them to strip you for parts? Yeah. What happens? I think you bronze them and turn them into a statue in the middle of your town. Mm, right, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting. I'd never I'd never thought about um any of that stuff not like the the life part of it until yeah. for whatever reason this time because it stuck out to me that Lightning McQueen made a comment about like I've wanted this my whole life and I'm like did you grow up like were you yeah. a smaller car first <laughs> Yeah. Did you grow organic? Right, cars. right. Yeah. There totally are. <laughs> it's so strange. But I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know what uh, the Cars series sort of reminds me of in terms of like having like this real high concept world that they didn't fully think through and then a very weak story to back it up? What? Blue Sky's robots, mm. you know? The the difference being that I think that robots is a lot more visually interesting. Mm. Well, I think I think it I I think cars will always boil down to we gravitate more towards things that resemble us and the robots resemble us more than the cars do. So the cars are right. always going to be more unsettling the more you yeah. try to make them like us, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. Um and I think that's always going to be an unsettling factor. And then add on top of that trying to like translate their world and quote life experience and it just it ends up being this jumbled mess where <laughs> i'm certain i'm certain that the people who made this are like guys it's it's, it's cars like it's it's silly yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah but it's yeah. still fun to think about and it i can't wait for my car's nightmares tonight oh yeah, yeah. we i should point out though this has nothing to do with like design stuff robots had robin williams this has larry the cable guy the big crime of this movie that should never be forgiven is that this movie legitimized Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> if it wasn't for this movie, he'd be um, off in his own little corner of the stand-up comedy world, catering to his own shitty niche and not bothering the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not the, I mean, as a kid, I was really into Tomater, which I think is the point. But like yeah. oh, I, totally. I, like every line, he, I was just like rolling my eyes, and like I, th I yeah, I don't have a problem with Tomater in theory. Mm -hmm. I just wish that he wasn't played by an actor that wasn't an uh, that that wasn't that wasn't an unfunny shit heel. You know why it couldn't have been like I don't know a Tim Blake Nelson or something? It was a why Larry the Cable Guy. What did Larry the Cable Guy bring to this role that nobody else could? Well, you said get her done. Who else could have done that? I mean, to be fair. <laughs> Who else? Actually, I was actually surprised watching it, like, knowing 
Mater from like the cultural consciousness, like uh-huh. I don't, he didn't really make much of an impact on me in the movie. It was just like, oh, it's Larry the right. Cable Guy is the tow truck, and he says some funny hillbilly things, and that you know that you could argue was funny or not funny. I it didn't really hit me yeah. one way or another. And then like I, I mean, they do try to hinge the like whole best friend thing on it, and I actually did think some of that, some of that stuff was really sweet. Um, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really that much of a presence in the movie. It was just like, all right, that's fine. Like I was, I was expecting to yeah. either find him really charming or to like be like really annoyed by how much he's in it. And in the end, yeah. at the end, I was just like, all right, whatever. It's just another another, yeah. another person in the movie. <laughs> he's he's like fine, you know. And sometimes, yeah, like yeah. for me, he I thought he was annoying or whatever. But for me, I just got really sad because like it took time away from not just like the town, but also like the Doc Hudson relationship. Um, because we spent a lot, of, like, not a whole lot of time with Mater, but, like, there were, you know, there's full scenes of just Mater and, uh, you know, Lightning McQueen and stuff. But it's, like, yeah. I really want to know, like, about Doc, you know? And, like, I, we get his, his story is really cool. But, yeah, I thought it could be, I wanted to see more of that. From what I heard, what happened to that Mater was originally a much smaller role but then, like, John Lasseter liked Larry the Cable Guy's performance so much that he just gave him more scenes to be in. It's crazy uh. that Mater was the thing after this movie uh, was the thing to persist. Because, like, he had, like, uh, uh, you know, the sequel was all about him. And there was a series of shorts um, called Mater's Tall Tales and stuff like that. And, like, he was, like, the the Cars thing, you know? I think that is, and I think this explains why you were expecting so much more from Mater, Derek. I think Mater is a character that we see in other properties that just resonates with kids so hard and so immediately and so uh, Mm -hmm. in such a way that is probably not that polarizing for kids that it's just like an instant like, oh shit, we can sell so much Mater. Yeah. Um, It's just a lovable, lovable idiot thing. Kids love that. Yeah, because, like, yeah. Lightning McQueen is more of a classic Pixar character where he's, like, a jerk and you don't like him at the beginning. And you might yeah. not even like him by the end. You know what I mean? Like, he's sort of yeah. in that category with, like, a Woody where you're like, I like you, but you're a jerk. So do They're, I like yeah. you? You know, like, even after <laughs> what you've gone through, I'm not totally sure all the time. <laughs> There's rarely a yeah. character that's as naive as Mater is in in Pixar yeah. movies, especially up yeah. until that point. And, like, even the ones that are, like, you know, maybe naive in, in, like, some ways, like, say, Buzz Lightyear or whatever, like, make up for it in, like, certain other ways. But, like, Mater, yeah. like, that's his whole shtick or whatever. And, like, you know, they, you know, they go cow tipping and they and it makes all these, like, you know, yeah. Yeah, somebody with Mater's demeanor in what would be a more traditionally Disney movie as opposed to Pixar would be a, like a mm-hmm. sidekick animal as opposed to like a right. fully, like a full, yeah. like peer type sidekick, you know? Right. But I think that's what he was probably meant to be. And then when it resonated, it resonated and they were like, all right, this is our, our primary kids franchise, or at least, you know, for a while. For uh, a summer, like I was working with like a, a lot of kids and stuff like that for like um, like a small theater company. And, mm-hmm. like, um, seeing them in the crowd and stuff like that, um, and one of the performers, like, looked at me and told me, like, what, like, unfortunately, like, one of the truths of the matter is that, like, kids do, like, find fart jokes funny and find that yes. kind of stuff funny. And, like, <laughs> and I think that's, like, talked at, like, talked down a lot, like, oh, yeah, no, we need to treat kids, like, um, you know, like, with more respect and stuff like that. And I agree. But at the same right. time, there is a natural reaction for those kinds of things. And this movie really played that up, you know, with, yeah. like, the cow dipping and with Mater and just, like, all those kinds of, 
kinds of jokes and like you know yeah. i like my fa- yeah. i'm one of them actually got uh like made me smile which was the the piston cup one and i was like huh okay whatever you get you get one <laughs> Ever, yeah you, you get did one what there. in his cup yeah it, it's fine <laughs> Yeah, I think both of those things can and are true as well. I'm on the same page with you on that, Amanda. Like, I think Mm -hmm. you can treat kids with more respect and also recognize the things that just seem to always resonate with them. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a low bar, you know? Like, I think people see it as that. It's just, that's that's sometimes just how it is. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) I think it's probably a shocking, I think it was shocking for people probably at the time, like, in the way that it is for us on on this podcast, watching these chronologically when... The last two movies before this are were surprising in how squarely they were aimed at adults and almost just like incidentally yeah. aimed at kids. And then this one sort of reverts that where it's just like, nah, you know, we're just going to put a bunch of fart jokes in it because the kids like it. Like, it's yeah. fine. Like, it's just and it's like it makes sense. But it's like when you have it in the context of what's come before it. Yeah. that it's just like, wait a yeah. minute. What? What have I signed up it for? Feels, here? <laughs> it, I think I think it feels like a downfall in some way of, of, yeah, of like a lot of other Pixar humor and stuff like that. But it's. That's just what they were going for here. Yeah, yeah. If we're if we're talking about target audiences, I remember reading from somewhere. I forget who, honestly, but he theorized that a lot of the, a big reason why film geeks got so hostile towards the cars, the first Cars movie when it came out, and like saw as Pixar's downfall. That like the previous Pixar movies had like subject matter like monsters and superheroes and toys that like film geeks liked. And then here comes Cars, which is an entire movie revolving around like, you know, the joys of small town and Route 66 and NASCAR. Stuff that really appeals to middle America in like 2006, which is like when people being angry at the Bush administration just turned to people being a malaise over the Bush administration. And that's when you see like in like those like um, hipster comedy and art and like media criticism circles, this real antipathy towards middle America. I'm thinking of stuff like like the Wonder Shows in episodes that had like the hee haw parody, Horse Apples. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I think it's a good observation because. I think that, you know, I always try to approach, you know, any sort of uh, these movies or really anything that I'm I'm consuming, like what were, what were they trying to accomplish and who were they trying to accomplish it for? And even outside the 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 kid side of things. Right. Like there's obviously a lot of stuff in here that was like very much aimed at a child audience or with them in mind. I do think the the another audience um, is some of that. Um, some of it is like it's very geographically specific for a mm-hmm. big part of the movie in the theme for the characters that inhabit that part of the world. And then additionally, like a lot of what would be the sophisticated humor is in a very specific uh, type of content in being like cars and that world. And so like, if you don't care about cars, like none of the research or sophistication in those choices are going to resonate with you. Mm. And I think it just ends up being a narrower sort of, um, if not narrower, uh, definitely uh, different in brand than Pixar has been. Because, like, there were things just about choices that they made with the cars that I really, really appreciated. But I, like, grew up the son of a mechanic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, like, went to auto shows and stuff like that. So there are things that, like, I might not 
care about but i'm like oh that's clever like that's that's yeah. really like that was a smart choice for them to do it that way or whatever mm-hmm. um but that's so narrow like what else has been narrow? like yeah. you said down like monsters that's not narrow fish that's not narrow toys that's not narrow <laughs> yeah. cars is a bit more narrow <laughs> yeah. and it might not have seemed narrow at the time <laughs> because of uh, you know their popularity and stuff like that um but yeah. yeah, and then factor in like some of the the contextual stuff you were talking about, Dallin, and I think then you you end up with like context like historically contextual layers uh, on top of it. But I think I don't know, like I think for what the movie was trying to do in the story, it was trying to tell. Like I I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's the best story they've told at all, even to this point. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think it makes major missteps either, and I think that's frequently where I'm coming from as far as like, I don't think they make bad movies even when they're the worst of their own canon. Right. Cause I don't think this makes huge missteps. I think Amanda, you pointed maybe one of them out, which is like Mm -hmm. devoting too much time to a sidekick and not enough to doc. Right. (laughs) That's a misstep. I think that's a misstep. (laughs) Cause he's way more important to, to lightning McQueen's character arc. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he, he needs to be the emotional crux of it. And I think to the, to an extent he is, but like I feel like all the sweet emotional moments are either with Mater as his friend or with his love interest, and then the Doc mm-hmm. story. It's like you know that that's holding the plot together. But like I yeah. do feel like it needed to be more emotionally resonant, and that only could have worked if mm-hmm. there was more time spent on their relationship. And yeah. I don't think the the movie does Doc's story in itself enough justice because he right. is the parallel to McQueen, and we see yeah. McQueen's transformation in great detail. And I don't have a problem with that. But they boil Doc Hudson's transformation down to pretty much one line, which is like, yeah. was it for us or was it for you? Or was it for him or was it for you? Like, yeah. the was it for you? And then, you know, switch scenes and he's at the raceway. And you're like, oh, I guess that was it. Like, you have yeah. transformed. <laughs> and it, it it hits, like, it, it's, 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 it's the thing they wanted to do. Like, you can point to it and say, like, oh, that's what mm-hmm. the that's what prompted his his change but it is so much faster uh than mcqueen's when those two are parallels and there probably should have been a little bit more yeah um i think uh i, I correct me if i'm wrong just because i only saw it once and like i don't remember a lot of it but like doesn't don't they talk about doc hudson a lot in the third movie yeah they do they do and like is like he feels like a like that like he's more important there almost than than here yeah, in a in a way, yeah, because like his legacy is like a big running point mm-hmm. in the original Cars. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in Cars Three, because Paul Third Newman of... died like right after, like really soon after this movie. This is his last mm-hmm. acting role. Yeah, yeah. God, that's depressing. That's interesting. You know, I, I honestly, I'm going to recommend a good Paul Newman movie for anyone <laughs> listening right now. To make up for this, I recommend you all watch Slapshot, mm. one of the best sports movies of the 70s and in general. A uh, glorious ode to the majesty of the hockey fight. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But Paul Newman is a major highlight of this movie. You know what I mean? Oh, it's not yeah. like, it's not like it was a bad showing for him. I don't know that there could yeah. be. <laughs> I think I think every all everybody acting wise is, is is doing doing their doing their yeah. thing in this movie. Like I don't think anybody is particularly yeah. miscast or anything like that. Um, and we get more Bonnie Hunt (laughs) yeah I'm glad that she actually like gets stuff to do in this movie (laughs) yeah was Bonnie Hunt in any other 
Pixar movie beforehand. I know she yeah. was in Toy Story 3 afterwards. She, this is her her third role, I think, with Pixar because she was um she was Rosie in a Bug's Life and she was a uh, the 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 spider, right? The Black Widow. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And she was a very minor character in Monsters Inc. She was like the 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 like exam administrator at the beginning That's and the right. end of the yes. movie. I loved her. Yeah. Can anyone tell me Mr. Biles' big mistake? Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm with you, Derek. I'm so glad she gets like a, f- a full actual, yeah. you know, part here. <laughs> yeah. Man, she's in a lot of Pixar movies. Is she like the female John Ratzenberger? Yep, second only to John Ratzenberger. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do feel like um, I, I'm up, to, I've up like multiple minds with like, Lightning McQueen as a character in his whole arc and especially his relationship with like Sally and stuff. Cause like, yeah. I think that they, I like them together and they have nice little chemistry and there's nice little moments. I, it does also bother me that like, uh, okay, I have multiple points on this because I, I, I understand what the arc of Lightning McQueen is. It's a very tropey one where he just starts out and a- starts out as an asshole and then learns to not be an asshole. And like they mutually improve people's lives in the town that he's in. I get that. Um, I do think that he's a little too much of an asshole and not charming enough for me to be likable. So I like hated him, I think, more than I should have. <laughs> from the start um and then so so from that point forward the the bar was always really kind of like was was always at a weird place so that anytime he had little moments that i think were supposed to be conveyed as like really nice teaching moments to me i'm just like okay well f- low fucking bar dude like i feel like sally like falls for him uh, or at least starts to really see him because he just says thank you <laughs> and then it's just like ooh yeah. you change and i'm like he literally yeah. did oh. the barest of bare minimums and yeah. like and, basic human you know. decency <laughs> that that's what i was talking about when i was saying that like um lightning mcqueen and sally only work because of their performances yeah. and also i think it's worth pointing out that they seem to try to put chick hicks in there that we like see a likability in Lightning McQueen, you know, because <laughs> there's a bigger asshole. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's less of an asshole. He has like he to give the illusion of Lightning McQueen having redeeming qualities or like depth. But that backfires because I don't know about you, but uh, Chick Hicks is funny and voiced by Michael Keaton, mm. so I ought to already automatically love him, even though he's <laughs> such an asshole. I think Michael Keaton does a great job, but I fucking hate Chick Hicks. <laughs> but I think I, the, I mean I I hate him, but in like in a love to hate way. Sure, you know? yeah. No, he's yeah. he's a villain that you can like get behind just railing against. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not gonna I'm never gonna walk away from you because I like hating you this much. <laughs> it's nice to see him get yeah. his comeuppance. I think the the whole final race bit is well done, where he like fucks over yeah. the other guy and then everybody hates him for it. Like all that stuff feels really cathartic. Yeah. It's great. Um, it's, yeah. Yeah. The movie makes a few efforts to try to un- like to to cut or water down Lightning Lightning McQueen's assholishness, but they're not yeah. big enough to really like hit as hard as his assholishness, right? Like yeah. Chick Hicks is one of them, obviously. Um, the fact that he's he's young, up and coming, and a rookie is another one, but that's too mm-hmm. subtle. And then even more subtle is the one where it's like, oh, by the way, Lightning McQueen has no friends. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course he doesn't have any friends. <laughs> right. I wanted to like that, but it's just like, yeah, you shouldn't have friends. You fucking suck. Like, yeah, you no, know, you like suck. it doesn't. You know, I, I don't feel bad for him for that. It's and I like I see what they're trying to do. It just was really out of balance. I think. 
Yeah. I, I agree. I, f- I agree. I, I feel like they should have just gone for like more of a brash and immature as opposed to just like a a, a complete douche. Yeah. Which yeah. makes me makes me wonder if they should have cast younger for McQueen A hmm. and and B that um, me mentioning that they should have like cast him younger. How old is everybody in this movie supposed to be? How long because did you've cars got like live? middle-aged <laughs> Owen Wilson playing a rookie in the racing circuit. You've got you've got um the first movie it seems like Mater's supposed to be a lot older of a person than he ends up in the sequels because they use like rusty cars like a shorthand for like an old man and then they just sort of forget that in the sequels oh. regarding Mater. I, I um, thought that Rusty Cars were more meant to... I mean, I know it is kind of for old people, but I think it was... I felt like it was also kind of trying to parallel just, like, poor people or lower class in general. Like, mm. not just old people yeah. necessarily. But, it, but it's kind of mixed, I guess. So, like, I, maybe it's, it's not a perfect um, metaphor. <laughs> but, like, you see Mater with the, like, shiny blue finish, and then, you know, it, and, and it looks like the Radiator Springs heyday is the 60s, but you still see, like, all the characters in 2006. So how old is everybody supposed to be? <laughs> how long do cars know. live? I Yeah. <laughs> I think uh I think uh I think cars endure as uh material objects l- more than they live. <laughs> yeah. So so, just... <laughs> so so what 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 are you saying? Is it like the aging process is slowed for cars? Do they like live for hundreds like of tortoises. years? Is it like a dog year situation? They're like they're like tortoises. If... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if there were an answer it would be something akin to that, yeah. I uh I don't have a problem with Owen Wilson as the casting. I think for me it's more just like make Lightning McQueen more like uh like fragile or self-conscious when no one's looking. You know what I mean? Sure. Like they didn't do right. enough of that. Make it more of a show and then when no one's around or when he's just with Mac or what maybe even when he's just with Mater after he starts to warm up to him like just give us something there and I think it would work better for me you know like they're just yeah. like you said Derek like the balance was just sort of off but I don't think it would have hurt to cast someone younger I just think Owen Wilson does a good job I think he also could have played it just a little played it and been written a little more overtly naive and ignorant you know in, in mm-hmm. ways because I think like I think what made me dislike him so much is that he seemed perfectly aware of everything that was going on and he's just choosing to be in his own little world and choosing to ignore people and being kind of a, just yeah. being very selfish. And then, yeah. you know, and then there's moments when like uh, when when he first falls off of Mac and is like stuck on the interstate and then is getting lost or whatever. And like for me, I was just like, well, you're a fucking car. You can just drive wherever you need to go but, I, but what's he doesn't have what's supposed to be clear Derek. is that he doesn't he can't see <laughs> yeah well, but i guess what's supposed to be clear is that he's just like not built he thought he's not he's too out of touch to like know how to get anywhere yeah. by himself right which well, i no, think but could yeah. be he is thing. literally not built for it though like that 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 is yeah. a that is a good point that i don't think you were trying to make but it is a good point like the 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 headlights and the tires and the dirt and like mm-hmm not knowing what going for a drive is like, I think this is getting existential in a way that it wasn't meaning to, but like lightning McQueen literally is not built for the situations that he's finding himself in, like as a mechanical object. Yeah. I think it's interesting um, with um, what we were saying about like him being written as a little bit more, more naive in a different way than he is because I think then his relationship with Mater might've been more interesting too, just because 
you, you would have two characters that are naive in different ways. Um, mm. But that's yeah. kind of a lost thing. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you talking about um, like how lightning isn't built for the situation just suddenly made me realize that the best version of the story cars is trying to tell end up being told like, like five years later in Rango, Gore Verbinski's Rango mm. with like, you know, this naive person, not physiologically uh, built for the situation he's thrust in having to like bumble his way into an initially hostile small town right. obviously there's some key differences between the two but in, like that sense right yeah because yeah. in this movie it's meant to humble him more than it is to scare him or make him feel uh like consciously uh inferior right like it's 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 more of a like it allows us as an audience to see like the other cars being like this guy ain't shit, you know, <laughs> even if he still thinks he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except they do like him really quickly just for the ta for the ability to make like a relatively small patch of road really nice. <laughs> that, sure. That's another thing that I, that bothers me about. I think that bothered me about Leighton McQueen's whole arc because like, I, I, I like the idea of these types of stories where there's sort of like this mutual learning situation where like, a person from a different world goes into this completely different place and then it's just like oh the simple life can teach me things but also like the the different type of life i've led can teach you things and i don't feel like there's a mutual conversation happening in this movie it's just like he he, he lightning learns a whole fucking lot from these people but then it's like all he really does for them i feel like is just like buy from their stores and then, like, mm. kind of, I guess, inspires them to, like, turn their lights on. Like, and that's yeah. kind of about it. Like, I don't really, I think, like, I don't feel like it was a very equal exchange. <laughs> no, I don't think it was an equal exchange. I think it was, I think it could have been because I think the colonel was there, right? Like, I think yeah, he's supposed yeah. to be giving them confidence and they're supposed to be sort of destitute and buying into the fact that they're forgotten. But, like, they don't, it's a balance thing again. Like, they just yeah. don't balance what they get or learn from him with the opposite and i i can very easily see why that happens because like ultimately it is more his story than it is not but it would probably be a better story if it was everyone's yeah i just keep yeah. thinking of like how too long food does it and the thing that i like a lot about that movie is that like they give a lot of the the town soak in, the, in that movie like very particular yeah. sort of like issues that that the the newcomers come in help them get over one way or another and you know and obviously you can run into run into like problems where it's just like oh the magical elite comes in and solves the Hicks problems but if you balance it right and make it an equal exchange right. it works and just like with yeah. these characters they don't really have they don't have any individual issues other than that no one's coming to their town you know yeah well and and what the drag queens bring is something unique to them and there's nothing unique I mean there are things unique about Lightning McQueen that he could have brought to the town but what he actually brings to the town is something that is prescribed to him and then something mm. that is literally just being richer than them like it's yeah. it's not like yep. He, <laughs> yep. they're not using his actual unique skills to like that they either don't believe that they have or couldn't have or something like that like it's mm. that's yeah that that's such a good example with the with tuong fu like it, yeah no one else could come into that town and do what they did right right yeah i also like um on the I think it's really uh, one of my favorite parts about um, Cars itself is how absurdly 
kind of dark it is that this dude winds <laughs> up in this town and they kind of just imprison him and like make him do dirty work like that's so yep. messed up in ways that like they kind of touch on you know like he's like begging like these like two people that are going through this town like please save me and it's just like that is so so funny um and I was like, man, I I almost wish it was a little more absurd like that, you know, because because <laughs> they're cars. Like if you were to, yeah. if you were to translate this into humans and mm-hmm. just be like, oh, you you drove your car into one of our light posts, so we're just gonna keep you here mm-hmm. until you fix something completely, you know, mm-hmm. unrelated. <laughs> like, well, I guess it's the, yeah. the road and the road, but like, yeah, it, I mean, that's it, basically like, what happens in Doc Hollywood, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, that's that is yeah. a full conversation. I'm sure you're aware, but that is a full conversation then. Yeah. And now. <laughs> The Doc Holiday versus Cars. <laughs> yeah. Doc Holiday. I, I I didn't know Val Kilmer entered the conversation. <laughs> yeah. It's uh yeah, it's I I think I think if it were humans it would it would immediately be darker, but because it's yeah. cars, you could go even further. You know what I right, mean? Right, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what I was I think that setup is actually really interesting. And I think for me that's why um the the town thing also falls flat. Not like I, I agree with all the points you guys brought up too, but like the fact that it was just like, oh, okay, he solves their problems by like, you know, a really basic solution or whatever, when the setup is so absurd. And Pixar is so <laughs> yeah. good with characters in like absurd like situations and stuff that situationally yeah. the answers should have been like equally on that level or like leading up to something big like that you know rather than okay he, he bought some stuff he bought a few tires uh okay you know like, well, I, I think the i think the buying of stuff was supposed to be like more of a symbolic gesture mm-hmm. to show that like their town was appreciated yeah yeah I think it's nice. part of that and it's part like Lightning McQueen's still egotistical way of saying thank you without yeah. just being like, thanks, guys. Yeah. You know? I'm, I mean, I guess you can call it egotistical, but at the same time after learning like the whole thing about like how the town's sense of pride was shattered, like what other solution was there really oh i just mean like the egotistical and like not being able to just say words and have to like do something like a gesture like it's it ends up still being beneficial um but i Mm -hmm. think it was like i think it's more than one thing is what i'm saying i think it's exactly what you're saying dallin but i think it's also a character i think it's informed by his character that that is sort of like his parting gift and thank you and like what he I guess gives to them in in exchange for his yeah development as a character. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. is, and that is like the solution to what they set up. I just wish they'd set up things better so that didn't have to be that the solution to it. They yeah. could have been to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I you know what's really fucked up about that setup? You know, like um, like during that like initial chase scene, um, Lightning McQueen thinks he's being shot at by the cop, and yeah. Yeah. and then mm-hmm. we see like it's just a backfiring tailpipe, and we're supposed to be laughing. Oh, 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 isn't it so wacky? But like, given that pretty much everything that's happened regarding even before two thousand six, you know, like I feel like um being sh- being frightened of being shot at by a police officer out of the blue is more understandable in that context and thus makes his, uh, his punishment feel disproportionate in a way, if that makes sense. Not yeah. great. <laughs> Not yep. great. Yep, fully. <laughs> yeah. 
are there characters that we haven't talked about that we absolutely must talk about? Or have we exhausted the characters? <laughs> Can we talk about the king? We I have not like... really talked about the king. That's a good, mm, yeah. that's yeah, a good I, one. That's a good one. Yeah. I feel like with the ending, you met, we mentioned the king crashing earlier. Yeah. Um, and like that big emotional moment at the end where lightning like pushed him across the finish line so he can have like, he can finish his last race. It's a nice moment, but I don't feel like it has the impact that it should have because both, like Amanda said before, we don't spend enough time with Doc and learn his story, but we especially don't spend much time with the king. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely more of a lightning moment than a king moment, but, you know, like I said, I'm I'm easily manipulated by this stuff, so I was still like, what are my <laughs> tissues? Yeah, yeah. I, liked, I still like, like the moment ultimately, like for what it was doing for the story. Like I yeah, I don't think it needed to be a king moment. Um, it, mm. but I, I guess there was. I don't really know what was missing in it because it did feel like there was some kind of emotional beat missing there. But I still yeah, mm. like I I still liked liked all of that too. Yeah. Like it still got me. Yeah. I think it's just the fact that like those characters that we start the movie with, we don't spend the majority of the movie with. So like you have an right, emotional yeah. moment with them, and it's like, well, we haven't seen them in forever. So like we get yeah. it and we feel the thing that you want us to feel if you know if you're like me but ultimately when you start to think about it even a little bit you're like well but wait who is the king again <laughs> that's a lot yeah. of this movie where there's just a really great skeleton for stuff and yeah. it's just uh it's just just kind of drawn a little too lightly it seems like or just yeah. out of balance yeah that's yeah. Uh, that's why i think this feels more like and this isn't a dig at early pixar movies because i think early pixar movies are good i just think it was steps backwards in the sort of brand identity of what a Pixar story is. Cause John Lasseter's whole thing is like make characters and moments. And that isn't, that isn't a story. You know what I mean? Like you still have to put them into a story that makes you go along with the character and feel the moments. Um, And so I think I, I, I suspect part of it is just, you know, John Lasseter was really good at inspiring people uh, to sort of realize things that maybe they weren't thinking of in a certain way, but I don't know that anyone inspired him back. I don't know that the dynamic was necessarily like set up in such a way where like he was getting as much from the people around him as they were getting from him. So then you end up with yeah. stories like this that feel a little bit less three-dimensional um, or feel a little bit uh, more basic that might be totally fine at other studios but like the bar is just so high at pixar because of the creative minds there and because of the people that he inspired or challenged or whatever the case may be or even just you know gave an opportunity or who he had nothing to do with that just had really fucking good ideas Mm. isn't this the first film that he did that didn't have a co-director um he doesn't have a co-director that is definitely true um and i believe yeah i believe toy story and a bug's life both had co-directors but most pixar movies do have co-directors so it's unusual for a pixar movie to not have a co-director i mean john lasseter and brad bird are probably the only ones or no toy story 3 had a single director i believe as well but it is abnormal and it it is something worth questioning uh for sure it was also written by half a dozen people yeah Mm. that shocked me (laughs) One of which is the creator of Gallivant, of all things, which I love Gallivant. And one of which claims none of his 
his work is reflected in the movie. So I, I mm. there is definitely a story there um, from the yeah. writing perspective, which makes sense. You're making a fucking movie about cars that talk like. Yeah. I don't know. And it took them. I mean, they, they started formulating this or, or working on pre-production stuff in like 1998. So like there's definitely a story behind why this story is lacking. I just yeah. don't know if we'll ever know fully what the story is. Yeah. yeah. It, this movie is is odd to me because, like, I feel like it gets better as it goes on, but at the same time, the first half is just so blah that even when it does get better, I can't just bring myself to care because at that point, it's, like, too little too late. Mm. I think that's fair. I had Yeah, I, I had kind of a similar experience with it, I think, because I was, I was ready and willing to, to take whatever it was given me off the bat, and then I was just so, like not feeling Lightning McQueen as a character, put off by whatever what everything looked like and not feeling like the stakes of the situation that by the time that I started getting introduced to characters that like I actually did like and situations that I liked and there were some jokes that I liked. By that point it was just sort of like I wasn't really very invested because it was just like, all right, well, we're here now. I guess I'll just be here for another hour and a half or whatever. Like, <laughs> okay. yeah. I also felt really long to me, which is really unusual for Pixar movies. Like, it, this was this this really was the first one that we've watched where I was like kind of checking the time code on it to be yeah. like, okay, how how close is this to the end? You got to slow down, long. Derek. That's the whole <laughs> yeah. point of the movie is go slow. <laughs> The fact, no, the fact though that I, I I looked at it and I was like, oh shit, there's 30 minutes left on this thing. When I thought mm-hmm. it was near the end, because even though I've seen it before, I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. What What I'm wondering is, is that if this film was so enamored with like Route 66 and car culture and road trip culture, why not just make it a road movie? Why not do that? That's a good question. It's a good question. Yeah. Why, I wouldn't why be surprised. localize it all in one location? Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we've talked on this show about how a lot of uh, anxiety and um, those types of feelings and trauma have made their way into the Pixar movies to this point and will continue to after with, with frequently like existential tinges to them. And if this was a movie, well, I, I say if as if we don't know this, we know this. This movie was largely inspired by John Lasseter's road trip, right? Mm-hmm. But part of the reason he took that road trip was because his wife said, if you don't stop working, you will miss your children's lives. And so I wouldn't be surprised if part of what came out of that was not wanting to leave out the part where you feel like you're hot shit or you're or you're a big deal or something, and that's getting in the way of getting slow. And so maybe the the NASCAR part of it is more the Hollywood part of it and the small town is the road trip. Like, I agree with you, Dallin. Like, it might have just worked better if you had gone road trip um, or road movie. But I I could see where maybe it comes from, like, a a specifically personal place. Yeah, that's really interesting. I don't think it makes it better, I should clarify. Like, I don't think that <laughs> necessarily... Maybe it's just like... that was too close to the subject matter to really see that it was, like, a flawed premise from the get-go. I just have a hard time with that when talking about Pixar movies, because so many of their movies come from deeply personal places. Like, mm. you know what I mean? So I, I, I think that there probably was... I don't know where the challenge needed to happen or what challenges did happen to say, like, we need to tweak this or we need to let go of this idea or something like that. But again, at this point, like John Lasseter is is the vice president for creative at Pixar. So like who's I mean, there there's just a dynamic there, right? Like yeah. he can tell Andrew Stanton to rethink th- something 
is it actually true that Andrew Stanton can do it back? The world may never know, you know? (laughs) Well, and I do think, I don't, I don't feel like the, a lot of the multiple premises of these movies are are, are really the problem with it either. Cause I do, I do think Pixar could do a really good version of this type of movie uh, where it's where the, 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 the dynamic of just like, you know, someone who's up their own ass and selfish going to a place and learning to slow down and learning from those people, vice versa. Like that's a really easy story to do. And I think you could do inventive things with it. Or conversely, I maybe I could maybe see a version of this where they took the cars like the existence of car people and like made that something more interesting too. I don't know. Mm. But like, I, I I don't think the premises are necessarily the problem. It's just like the way that they sort of combine them and, and the, the, the thought that went into some things and lack of thought in other things. And then just like, it, it, it just feels like just, uh, it, it was focused on a lot of the wrong things ultimately. Mm. And I think that might've been a product of just like John Lasseter knowing what he wanted to do whether it was good or not and just doing it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I just don't really know what to make of this. Movie. Well, I do yeah. know what to make of this movie. I just, I I just can't really wrap my head around like why this doesn't work better. Like you had a studio at the top of its game, you, you know, hit after hit after hit. And then while, Pixar does bounce back for like a while because this is like sandwiched in between Incredibles and Ratatouille, two of their best films. And they still have the hot streak from like Ratatouille to like, I think Toy Story 3. Um, this first Cars movie is really the first signs of it like being um, the beginning of the end for Pixar's reputation as like an untouchable like hit maker. But that's the thing you know? though, it wasn't. It was really well received and really well regarded and won like it won and lost categories at awards, which, you know, whether you take those things seriously or not, like the the conversation around this movie wasn't mostly uh, this is the end for Pixar or this is like a massive low point. Like it made it made money. It 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 did well with audiences and it did well with with critics. I think a lot of. A lot of the way we look at cars now is based on what cars became and less of what this individual movie actually is. Mm. I think this movie has weak points, um, but I don't think this movie is the reason that that cars is viewed the way that it is. Yeah. That's why I said like a, a prelude to it. Like mm-hmm. I should have in, in hindsight, I should have said in hindsight. Oh yeah, before. no, I fully fully agree with the hindsight piece. Yeah, and I mean it, it makes sense because like that's the narrative that you hear all the time now, but it's just like, well, yeah, of course the any I mean even if honestly even if the cars the whole cars trilogy was like really solid, I think just the simple fact that it's aimed for younger audiences and it's merchandised to hell is going to make a lot of like film people oh, angry, yeah. you know, like that's just yeah. how it is. Um. Yeah, I think if this movie just existed and it hadn't been merchandised, you know, to hell and it didn't get sequels, I think it would just go down as one of Pixar's fine movies. I don't think it would be considered one of Pixar's worst movies by just like the average person. Yeah, I think for me, it's like I can never decide what my favorite Pixar movie is, you know? It's so um, hard. <laughs> it's so hard. I Whenever I'm watching, like, a, a, a one of them or, like, even a part from one of them, right? 
um, or I think about one of them, I'm like, oh, well, this is my favorite, you know? And then <laughs> the next week it'll be different. Like, or like I was watching a clip of The Incredibles. I was like, oh, this is obviously my favorite Pixar movie. And then Ratatouille will come into the picture. And I'm like, oh, no, the rat's cooking or whatever. But, and like out of them, Cars has been the one I've watched the most. And yet it's, huh. it's never been, it's never ever, even as yeah. a kid when I like loved it, it was never in that picture. But I will say NASCAR races are really, really long and really, really boring. Um, but I liked the <laughs> racing scenes in this. They weren't boring. <laughs> Dude, the camera work they do yeah. with the cars is, it is very yeah. cool and impressive. <laughs> yeah. Like, the way that mm-hmm. they, uh, I mean, essentially mount their cameras and the way that they choose to use them, that's some of the stuff where, like, it's it's really surreal because – this movie's obviously incredibly cartoonish in many ways, mm-hmm. but you like, you, I don't know. Like the only reason it's cartoonish is because you know, cars don't look like that. Yeah. Otherwise, like these look like real objects at, at certain yeah. points when they're doing particular action shots. Yeah. yeah. Especially it's- when they do the like zoom out thing and the camera is like supposed to be on like a helicopter or something. It's mm-hmm. like, holy shit, is that just footage? <laughs> it's not because <laughs> yeah. I know it's not what cars look like, but <laughs> That's one thing that Cars 3 does really well. It it emphasizes the racing scenes, which are like mm-hmm. easily the, the best part. Yeah. And it's yeah. funny cuz yeah. they make they make something that's um in, sorry to all the you know car racing fans out there, I guess, but um you know, something that's kind of boring. It's it's, it's something that's very long and make it have like a lot of drama to it, you know. Yeah. Um, sure. Which is interesting. So is it just me or was that final racing scene like a bit too short? Like it I seemed like it was done longer. as soon as it started. Yeah, I I think it was a little too short too. Yeah, I thought about that, but then I also thought like how strange is it cuz I genuinely don't know. Like I I wasn't into NASCAR or racing, um just like cars, like a, like a not what you do with them. But so I like I didn't know like I was like I want this to be longer, but like how weird is it for there to just be three cars on the track? Like, that's got to right. be so strange, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's a typical, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um. and I feel like it offers you freedom, but also limitations at the same time. Yeah. So, like, I yeah. like I wanted more of it, but I also don't know what more of it would look like. Because, <laughs> like, Fast and the Furious, like, put them wherever you that's want. That's true. Because you, you can't have more than one crash. Like, <laughs> right, they go in right. circles. It's fine, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> So like I fully I totally agree with the feeling of like wanting more, but I I just struggle. Yeah. I don't know what I I don't know what I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a weird movie. It's a weird movie it like that. I don't know movie. what I want. Yeah, I don't know what I want, but I want more of whatever you started to give me. I think. Yeah. Like I'm not. I, I've never Maybe. turned off, which is good. You know, yeah. like that's that's good. I know other people certainly are. Like I, I know anytime I'm walking into a conversation where cars is going to come up, I'm going to be in a very small minority. Like that, I've, I've, I'm at peace with that. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's yeah, it is definitely a bizarre movie. I think. Yeah. I mean, they knew it was a bizarre movie. <laughs> it's yeah. Cars with eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and mouths right. and tongues. I agree, Derek. The tongues needed to go. Yeah. I don't mind yeah. the car designs, but the tongues needed to go. That's that's but the too tongue, much. But but uh, Lightning McQueen's tongue is what got him started in all this in the first place. That's, <laughs> that's true. He's so mad because I have to that's look at it so true. much. It's literally a plot point. <laughs> yeah, you didn't like the uh, the instant replay four times. Yeah, <gasps> no, it sucked. <laughs> Stop it. Why do cars need tons if all they eat is gasoline and oil? Well, so they can talk, so you can understand what the words that they say. Yeah. 
<laughs> Why do they have teeth? Why do they have teeth? <laughs> That's the better question. Yeah, yeah. Based on uh, based on that, how how far that tongue stretches? Like that tongue probably starts like at his dashboard. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, you know, what he can do with the tongue, like, what, we don't really know when, like, cars are married and in love with this movie, so maybe that's what the tongue's for. Uh, it's just for kissing. Cars or... need to kiss. How do cars procreate? Is it like that scene in Southland Tales with the SUV fucking the other SUV? Perhaps. I didn't know that was a thing that happened in Southland Tales, but I'm also not surprised. There are a lot of questions we ask that I, I, I don't know if Pixar has answers to. I'm pretty sure that they explicitly just don't have an answer for that one. Yeah, which is fine. I better not to. I, I'm, I could not care less about the answers to, to these questions. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I'm at... In, I, I love asking these questions and just ruining your day. Like, in that Muppets episode that we haven't released yet, I asked all of those questions about, like, um the nature of the Muppets. If Muppets <laughs> are just genetic mutations of, like, regular animals. And yeah. Derek did not like that. Yeah, I think you should go to jail for asking those questions personally. But... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a solution with the cards um, building things. Maybe they just used their tongues. Maybe that's just the tactile. Uh... <laughs> it is yeah. like the one thing that the they kind thing. of have that's closest to a hand. Because their, yeah. their tires move like hands sometimes. <laughs> but they can't grab anything with the yeah. tire. So maybe that's maybe that's what the tongues are for. Maybe that's it's what it's sort of like how VeggieTales had to get around its characters not having hands. But the way they did that is just have it that like the objects they pick up they just float in the air so yeah. um, canonically all of the veggie tails have telekinesis which is very good that's a good solution you know what I do like from this movie is the credits yeah. font and the Sheryl, uh-huh. the Sheryl Crow song at the beginning I like both of those things a lot yeah yeah, yeah. I'm also not gonna lie like I'm sure people will hate me for saying this, but this version of Life is a Highway slaps. I, I was literally really about to like say it. that. I no, that <laughs> that shit bumps. It's so good. <laughs> that, yeah. I actually heard that version of Life is a Highway, the Rascal Flatts version, yep. before I heard the original version. Really? Same. Yeah. It's good. It's yeah, good. I like it. <laughs> it is. It's catchy. I, I think the best version of Life of the Highway, you, you ever seen that one episode of American Dad where um, Roger leaves the family to move over the gay neighbors across the street so he can like live a high class lifestyle? And so in retaliation, like Stan just turns his front yard into like um, a, a, a white trash die with like a, tr- a pickup truck with no tires on it on cinder blocks in the front yard and him sitting in his line um, lawn chair and he's just playing Life of the Highway on the electric guitar (laughs) (laughs) pretty good well is there anything about cars the 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 movie cars (laughs) that we didn't touch on that would be absolutely integral to address before we sign out of here (laughs) i do think lightning mcqueen is the fucking coolest name in the world it is. It's a spot cool on, name. cool, yeah. awesome, great, perfect. Yep, good job. Um, Named after um, a deceased Pixar employee, Glenn McQueen, to whom Finding Nemo was dedicated in oh. in Glenn McQueen's memory. Cool. The name that I don't like, why is that car named Guido? Isn't that a slur? I thought that was a slur. It's, <laughs> it's the actor's yeah. name. Oh. 
So the actor is an Italian supervising technical director at Pixar. So it's actually okay. appropriate so casting and just literally his name. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fine. Okay. That just worried me. I was like, excuse me? It is. It's good to ask the question. <laughs> yeah. 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 As an Italian, I do love those shitty Italian cars. <laughs> I, I do love them a lot. <laughs> Luigi's voiced by Tony Shalhoub, who's made a career of pretending to be both Italians and Jewish people, even though he is neither of those things. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I also think I really liked the dust in this movie, like the the dust tracks when they're they're on the ground and everything. They do really good with that. Oh, the, um, the, I'm reminded of this because you said track, but like, the uh what is it ray tracking light tracking whatever oh, it is yeah. the reflections are yes. out of this world yeah oh yeah, yeah. They're, they're good i i i love i noticed i noticed like when i when i could see like a reflection in light mcqueen's hood and it's like oh hey that looks nice yeah, yeah it's real good and the scene where yeah. they turn the neons on everybody yes. just looks stunning Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I'll, I'll say that oh, yeah. that that movie is one that looked looks nice watching yeah. it on my 4K Dolby Vision TV. <laughs> I believe it. That's good I to hear. It. Yeah. Though, though the sound mixing on that movie is weird. I I mean at least how I watch it because I watch it on Disney Plus on my TV mm-hmm. and Disney Plus on an Android TV doesn't currently have Dolby Atmos support. Mm. So I watch it like it's 5.1 sound mix. And the sound mixing is weird because it, it feels like really quiet in the front, but like really loud in the back. And I don't know why. That's annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and the end credits thing was cute with the, like the parodies of Pixar movies. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was I cute. I didn't feel any, any way, one way or another. Uh, it, was, it was cute. It was cute. I, yeah. I'm genuinely surprised <laughs> that they were able to get Tom Hanks back to just do that like brief two l- one line cameo. He probably did it like over the phone. Like it's probably <laughs> just like, oh yeah, cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I did like Max's last line about like, hey, they're just using the same guy. What a fly by night operation is this? Yeah. yeah. John Ratzenberger, great as always. No oh, yeah. d- no notes. He's great. No always. notes. Exactly. <laughs> is it just me or is it like as the further Pixar movies go, the less well they utilize John Ratzenberger? Like at this point, it seems like they just put him in there out of obligation. I haven't felt like that so far because I feel like it's been a little bit. I feel like it's been escalating actually because the last one was his Incredibles role and that was fit. That cameo was amazing. That was my favorite one. No, that he's I, done. I meant like I meant like beyond what you've done so far. I I mean like ah. in the modern day. You know, have, have to see. <laughs> I think looking at it sort of like from a critical character standpoint is tough with something like that because it's a tradition to include him. He's not. He's not like getting cast as characters every time because like he's the right character to or the right actor to like flesh out a particular character so like yeah a lot of the time it's just sort of like oh there's the genre he's it's like a cameo sometimes or yeah. an easter egg sometimes and uh and so i th- i've never bothered by it because it's more of like a where's waldo like where's john ratzenberger if he's not like a major <laughs> major character yeah yeah that's all i got those those are <laughs> yeah that's all i got <laughs> It's a fine movie. It was, it's honestly, for me, it's a sort of like a, it's kind of like a shrug for me. Like I didn't, I, yeah. I was fine. I didn't, I didn't regret watching it. I enjoyed some of the stuff in it. 
at the end, I was just like, I, I never cared about cars, even when I was a little kid. I wasn't one of those kids. Who, I had a few Hot Wheels, and they're like, they're cool. I'll play yeah. with everything else that I have other than the Hot Wheels, though. Like, it, you know, it's it's never no, – really nothing about it is really appealing subject matter-wise. It's just like, okay, fine, movie. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I have a bunch of Lightning McQueen Hot Wheels in my ah! apartment right now. <laughs> nice. Speaking of Hot Wheels <laughs> – they just look nice, okay? <laughs> I, I actually I actually didn't really have any Hot Wheels. I had, like, a bunch of Matchbox cars that I... Oh, yeah. You, oh, you yeah. know, like, you, every so often you see on Twitter, like, yeah, you remember that rug like, that looks like a, a road? It was, like, the hospital and all that? Yep. Oh, we had that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had that, too, and that's what I yeah. used for my toy Matchbox cars, but I didn't, like, have any of, like, the fancy ramps or... Nothing like that. Or if I did, I never knew how to set them up properly. The (laughs) main Hot Wheels merchandise I had was like a Hot Wheels Big Wheels tricycle. Nice. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Amanda and Dallin, for joining us to talk about Cars. Um, Because admittedly, being the movie Cars, I don't know if I ever really expected someone to be like, yes, that one. Um, (laughs) And we got two guests instead of just one. So I'm so appreciative. (laughs) Two heads are better than one, which means that four <laughs> heads are better than two. Yeah. Perfect. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> well, if people want to find uh, find the two of you uh, and the stuff you're doing, where where's the best place for people to find you? Uh, on uh, Twitter, probably, um, at Amanda Unravels. Um, uh, yeah. I'm currently on Twitter, at Dallin Agatone. It's just my name, spelled D-A-L-L-I-N-A-G-A-T-O-N-E. And then, of course, go ahead and listen to Lost in the Vault. Yeah. Um, it's the podcast about Disney films that don't quite have the magic. We're plan on getting out of hiatus soon-ish. Yeah, hopefully. But, so definitely keep your ears out for that. We've still got our episode of The Muppets on The Muppets with um, Derek coming out. And then we've got an episode coming soon discussing the short films of, that Tim Burton made at Disney with special guest star Ingu Kang of The Hollywood Reporter. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I've also, I guess, I think this is the first time I've ever openly discussed this, and I don't know if it'll be out by the time this episode comes out, but I'm also going to be doing an all-new podcast with past Lost in the Vault guest star Peter Vofronk. Um, who has guest starred three times previous on Lost in the Vault. We're doing a uh, podcast together called Mount Crumpet Minute, where we'll be taking a minute-by-minute analysis of the Ron Howard Grinch movie starring Jim Carrey. Oh, wow. (laughs) Nice. That sounds like a nightmare, maybe, but okay. (laughs) But, But maybe the nightmare you want. Our initial idea was that we wanted to do a minute-by-minute Space Jam podcast, but then we found out that someone beat us to it. So we were like, what Uh. other movie is similar in being a late capitalism nightmare? And then I think (laughs) um, our two options were the Tom Cruise mummy movie or the Grinch, and we decided on the Grinch. That's a best choice, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You can also find my work on um, uh, the Spellcast um, with one L, um, which is a surrealist podcast. um, I write and, you know, uh, do stuff on that. Um, It's kind of eclectic. You you know, we got performers. There's no, like, real big storyline or anything like that. It's just kind of like Mad Magazine for your ears. So if you want to go (laughs) check that out. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, thanks again. 
thank you for having us on. Yeah, thank you so much. That was so much fun. Um, of course. I think uh, I think having four people talk about cars uh, was the right choice. It's like we had <laughs> yeah. a full car hey, of people. Hey, four wheels, four wheels, man. You need yeah, four exactly. wheels to have a car. <laughs> <laughs> And if you would like to find Derek and me individually, uh, you can find us all over the place. Derek, where can people find you and the stuff you are working on? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also find me on another podcast over on the Four-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. And if you like books and games, you can find me on a podcast called Novel Gaming, a podcast about books books and games with some other stuff going on in there with regards to pop culture and media if you would like more from derek and me together you can check out our podcast called walloping web snappers where we deep dive into every spider-man cartoon ever made and if you're looking for everything pretty much in one place you can check us out at wallopingwebsnappers.com please give us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice especially the big ones like apple podcast or google play music and you can contact us at Walloping Web Snappers Podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments or uh, just want to share your feelings on this beautiful movie that is Cars. <laughs> next month, we will be returning once again with the next movie in the Pixar canon, Ratatouille. See you then. See ya.